everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel based on a podcast. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm Corey Tyndall. I'm Michael Morey. And I'm Missy Lonsinger. Uh, and this week, we're here to talk about a uh, kind of a bigger movie that came out earlier this year that we didn't get around to called Everything Everywhere All at Once. It stars Michelle Yeoh. And is it Kehi Kwan? Is that his name? The guy yeah, who was yes, in so. Goonies and Temple, Temple of Doom. Doom. Um, yep. And it's written and directed by Daniels, who made um, Swiss Army Man. It's sort of a sci-fi action drama, basically. <laughs> um, and it's about this uh, kind of working class Chinese immigrant uh, woman and her husband and her daughter and her visiting grand or her visiting father from China. They run a laundromat and they're being audited by the IRS. And as they're being audited, she is pulled into the multiverse and learns that there is this very overwhelming force trying to end all universes as we know it and finds herself at the center of this conflict having to save the universe from this threat named jobu tabaki uh just go with it guys (laughs) um and uh yeah so the rest of the film is kind of her hopping to different multiverses learning about different versions of herself and her family or members of her family or would-be members of her family depending on the uh the uh the universe she's in and how they're all kind of interconnected in those universes while also taking on skills she learns uh to help fight this threat and uh learn a lot about herself and her family along the way the real everything everywhere all at once is the family we made along the way uh, is (laughs) is the film it is a very simple sounding premise actually when you boil it down um is it Well, I think so. I I mean, it's pretty much like she's just like a middle-aged Luke Skywalker, right? And so... We're just so uh, used to multiverses at this point that saying multiverse just, okay, go with it. Yeah, and then, but I think in execution, there's a lot going on kind of under the hood of of what this is, uh, what this movie actually is um, and how it's executed in particularly, uh, but we'll get into that. But that's sort of the gist of it is like just it's like a battle for the universe and also a family drama at the center of it. Uh, so, yeah, what did what did you guys think about everything everywhere all at once? Missy, you go first. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Corey. We're all first of all, yay for all four of us being here because that's yeah, awesome. that's oh, the yeah. first, first yeah, time. The first, yeah. It's everything of real pee everywhere. Well, all, like oh. literally everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I'll be leaving the podcast now. Yep. Okay. So, um, I really like this film. Um, I saw it back in theaters months ago, and then just rewatched it on um, Amazon like last week. Man, it's it's just so good. And so I'm really, and I'm excited for our listeners, and I'm excited for everyone here to hear what Mike has to say <laughs> wow. about what he thinks about it. Um, Get ready. I know. Putting Mike but on no, blast. it's well, it's no. I'm I'm legitimately excited to hear uh, what you thought of it and whether. Well, no, I know you didn't like it anyway. Uh, no, so I really really liked it. Um, the this is one of the better, if not best, depictions of the multiverse that we've had because apparently everybody and their brother has decided to do that recently. All and yeah, <laughs> how many times are we gonna make that joke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, probably a lot. Um, and I actually had just like finished watching Loki because I hate myself, and then rewatching <laughs> <laughs> rewatching the new Doctor Strange because, as we've established, I hate myself. And man, I like both difference... of those things, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
the the uh, difference between how the multiverse was handled in this and how it's handled by uh, Marvel is is just night and day. So don't like come into this movie thinking like, oh, I don't like the multiverse shit. It's too convoluted. They actually do a really nice job of working with it. But the performances in this are like the real like stellar thing. Um, Michelle, Yo- is it you, Yo? Do we know? Yeah, I mean, she's, she's I, not always her comes. Michelle Yo. Mm-hmm. Okay, Michelle Yo, fantastic. Uh, Stephanie Sue, the little actress who plays her daughter, and I yeah. normally don't like younger actors. She is so so good. Um, Q Kwan, amazing, and then James Hong, also amazing. It's just and and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's like Missy, you are so... you are two years older than that woman. <laughs> that, are you serious? Well, she looks yeah. like she's like ten. Everybody looks like they're 10 if they're younger than me. Uh, but no, every actor in it is so well cast. It's so well done. The costuming is incredible. Like, yeah. the, oh, man, it's just I can't speak highly enough of it. And then, like you said, MJ, the, the premise is kind of simple um, for as convoluted as multiverses can get. What she And that's kind of the point of it, right, is that as convoluted and meaningless as everything might seem, you can still pull that one, like, really beautiful gem of a theme from it. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really good. I really recommend it. Um, go ahead, guys. All right, I'll go next. We'll save the best for last. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too excited. <laughs> so... I got. I didn't get to see this in theater, so I saw it on streaming, and I like this movie. Uh, a running theme that we've talked about on the last handful of episodes has been there's a lot of stuff that comes out nowadays that just feels like it has to fill a quota, or it has to check boxes, or it's like, oh, this needs to be the next thing in the Marvel line, or this needs to be on the streaming service, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really have identity. This movie has tons of identity. <laughs> And it has something to say. And there was a clear vision from the directors, from the whole team, from the actors. And for that reason, I really enjoyed it because it had something to say. It was unique. It was creative. There's a lot of elements in here that just thinking from more of a filmmaking perspective, like I really appreciated just the attention to detail, jumping between the multiverse, um, just the way characters were portrayed. A lot of the cinematography is really interesting and incredible. Mm -hmm. Some of the stuff that they pulled off and yeah, it was just, it was really refreshing again, like as I've been saying to watch something that people cared about and like, I enjoyed it. I don't know if it would of all the films that we've watched this past year, like I would, I would put it up there. I still think like, I personally liked Nope a little bit better than this, but mm-hmm. I, I did really enjoy this movie. That's fair. MJ, you go ahead. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I think this is unequivocally the best movie of 2022. And, and I'm being very serious here. One of the best movies ever made. I think it's a movie we will talk about for years. Um, and by years, I mean decades. Like, I think this will be taught in film schools forever. Um, I just think that the technical prowess of the filmmaking on display is... It's, like, next level, but it's not at the same time. it's I mean, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's very, like, it's very conventionally made, I guess I should say. Um, and then I just think the themes that it portrays and the way it explores those is just... its so, It's all there. It's all on the screen. I don't think it's hard to read the movie. I think it's a very easy movie to read with a lot to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that is 
evident in the production design, the scripting, the plotting, the performances, uh, the score, and all throughout the multiverses that are portrayed here. I like I when I walked out of this movie, I my first thought was this is what I feel like people seeing the Matrix in 1999 thought. Oh, yeah. Like, it just, it was a movie that when it ended, I was like, I've never seen anything like that. And yet it felt so familiar at the same time. And like, I'm hours after, like, I just finished it at one, uh, my time. So like noon, your guys' time. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, so it was, so it was my second time seeing it. And a rewatch just proved, I think the same thing, especially like knowing where it's going, knowing where it's headed, seeing all the groundwork it lays like within the production design. And I think I just think the the way it handles the sci-fi element, the way it handles the martial arts element and the way it handles the drama element, like it's so it's it's so in danger of falling apart at every turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it and it doesn't. And it's like it's a miracle of a movie yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think the performances are incredible. I think Kehi Kwan gives like one of my favorite performances I've maybe ever seen, but definitely the best performance I've seen this year, I think. Um, he's incredible. In Just right movie. about short Every- round? Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone, I think everyone's really good in this. Like, Michelle Yeoh's, she's so good in this movie, but yeah. I, love, yeah. I love Michelle Yeoh anyway. I grew up watching a lot of her movies and stuff, but my brother was really into her. And uh, yeah, I just think this is such like an interesting way to make a film like it just it's it i don't know i i think it's just also like i talked about and have been talking about it's just really refreshing to have movies that feel like i'm gonna sound like harry styles but movies that feel like movies at, at this point like it just it, it it does like it does feel like a movie like a proper movie that you go and you watch and you talk about after and like it stays with you and you think about it as opposed to like i just saw a thing yeah yep. time for yeah. next thing yeah um so that's I, that's how i feel about it so mike uh rip the band-aid off so i can yell at you <laughs> <laughs> wow well um i mean there's not much to disagree with in terms of the technical qualities of the movie i mean it certainly is something that is a singular vision or like well maybe not singular because two people what who yeah, the directors yeah. Of, um a dual vision of yeah. um life and um you know it it definitely has something to say the performances are great the cinematography is good um you know it it has all those things that we've been or we it does the opposite of the things that we've been criticizing for the last i don't know couple of things that we've probably talked about (laughs) together um you know barring the things that i haven't been for like nope um yeah you know it doesn't feel like it's made or manufactured down an assembly line Mm -hmm. that being said uh it just doesn't resonate for me and mm-hmm. I found the film personally very exhausting. And now maybe this just comes in from me having a long work day or something like that when I went and saw it. But I found the movie to be an acquired taste in a way that like an Edgar Wright type film is mm. an acquired taste. Mm. Um, not every single one of his movies resonates with me, but the ones that really do, really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you seen Swiss Army Man? No, I haven't. 
Okay, I think that would resonate with you less. But I was just, I was just, I was, I was yeah, interested I was to say, see. I don't think he would like it very much. Uh, I don't but... think you would like it at all. I think you would actively not like that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's a real chance based off of this. I need. To, I'm curious about it. I want to check it out. Um, I just don't think that these directors' styles vibe with me. Sure. Have I'm you seen the turn down for what music video? Uh, yes. Okay, they made that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think. Now, this is going to sound like a little bit of a slight, but the intensity of this movie basically starts from minute one, yeah, if mm-hmm. not, and it goes up from there. I mean, it's at like 110% from the beginning, and then it goes yeah. further. And I found that just personally extremely exhausting to sit through. Mm. And it, uh, it kind of reminded me of a Michael Bay film in one sense, <laughs> yeah. Which, is, <laughs> yeah. which is just like it was constant climax throughout the entire yeah. movie. And I, I don't feel like it built up to anything. I think it kind of blew its its uh, its its load a little <laughs> bit um, kind of early on. And you know how the movie's divided into part one, part two, and all that stuff. Yeah. And I kind of forgot about that for like an hour and a half. And then it was like part two. And I remember thinking, like, God damn it. Like, I, I, forgot. <laughs> I forgot that there was, like, parts that this was dividing into. Because I felt like it was kind of building to a nice thing. And then it was like, oh, no, there's there's more parts to there's this. There's, like, an hour left. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. What? It's we not quite an hour. hour I think it's, like, go? 40 minutes or something. Like, no. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> Leave me. I want to go home. <laughs> so, I don't want everything uh, everywhere all at once. Yeah, yeah. I was, I like, I was okay with, like, the everything to a point. You're but then like, it got to the everywhere. I want this movie to be called everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything um, sometimes when I choose it. Yeah. Yeah. I, like... <laughs> everything everything occasionally Um, there we go (laughs) at a definite point in time that should end now everything in moderation (laughs) yeah actually that's kind of well said because i just felt like it it was just constant like an assault on the senses and by the end of it it wore me down and like i it's like i felt like I got it. I got it, guys. Mm. Like I got the thing that you were trying to say like 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, and then it kept on going. Um, so, you know, like I was saying, in general, I don't think there's like a lot of things to technically criticize about it. I just think it's something that's just not going to vibe with certain people. And my biggest criticism, and I think this is more of an objective one, is just I do think it is a little too long uh, in general. Um, it is a that, long movie. It's like two yeah, and a half hours almost. It's long. Almost yeah, two and a half hours. I, I just think that there's like some things and some gags that um, could be cut or trimmed yeah. down a bit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, with that. I think I, I think agree. it took a little long. Like the throat clearing in the beginning, I thought was a little bit much. Like in terms of explaining things, and it just felt like it was explaining things for the sake of explaining things. Where really, you could have just like hand waved it and just been like, "It's multiverse shit." Um, and, and like the, the attempts to actually over explain things got a little grating in the first like 45 minutes. Um, I just felt like there was, there could have been a much easier way to go and explain what was happening. And so we can get to the meat of things faster. Um, I mean, those are my more technical criticisms of it, but in general, I just, I just found it very tiring. And I guess I, I didn't really relate to the message beyond, you know, I mean, I understand generational trauma and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess some of the immigrant experience is a little bit more, uh, to use a bad pun, foreign to me. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I got what they were going for and it's like meaningful and, and what it's trying to say is good. I just think that it could have been done faster. And I guess that's become a very repetitive criticism of mine on these podcasts. But 
you know, you can just do things a lot more quickly than, than they are. And so I just, you know, spent five minutes filibustering and not getting to the point quickly. Um, but that's, that's my sense of it. Huh? Yeah. I, I, go ahead, Missy. Well, I, I was just going to say, I like, that's a fair criticism and one that like we, I think, especially on this podcast, haven't been able to have that much. We usually just watch bad films, like we either watch <laughs> bad films or we watch good films and there's not yeah. a lot of in between. And so we're usually either shitting on something or we're all pretty much on the same page. Like, yeah, that was really good. But I mean, there is something to be said for things that are like the, I mean, we, we talked about like guilty pleasure movies or TV shows, right? We know mm-hmm. that they're bad, but we still like watching them. We don't often talk about things that are like really good and well done. We just, we don't, oh wait, sorry. I may have messed that up. I don't know how I said that. Things that are bad, but we like watching them as opposed to this with Mike, things that are good, but I just didn't like it. Like it didn't vibe yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. I, I think that's a valid criticism and I'm glad that you brought it up because I, it's so rare for us to have that on this podcast. And right, it's good to yeah. acknowledge, like sometimes things are like quality, like you just don't like them. Like, yeah. and that's cool. Right. So, I'm yeah. like, I'm not here to go and tell you this is bad. It's just, right. it's yeah. bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. And, and it just didn't resonate. No, yeah. it's, um, I think I can see all your criticisms. I don't necessarily share them, but I understand them. Um, mm-hmm. In that I think the maximalism of the film is the feature, not a bug. And I think the exhaustion is a feature, not a bug. Like I was exhausted the first time I saw this movie. I was tired after I left the theater, but in a good way. Like it felt like I just yeah. gone. Like it felt like I had a good workout. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was the good kind of tired. And I, it, I like, it's absolutely an exhausting movie. Like yeah, I, will not, sure. I will absolutely give you that all day. But I think like, I, I, you know, cause Kristen was hesitant to watch it. And I was like, I just put it on cause I needed to watch it again. Cause I, I had only seen it when it just came out in March, you know? Right. And so there's, it's, it's a lot of movie. And so I was like, I need to watch it again. So I just put it on while we were eating breakfast. And I was like, you can watch this with me or not. And she was like, okay, I'm going to go get coffee. And she was like, so can you pause it? And I was like, oh, you are going to watch it with me? And she was like, I mean, you said it's really good. And I was like, yep, and it's good for you. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I just like, I don't know. Like, I know that you feel that way, but it's not. I'm actually surprised I haven't heard that criticism more. Um, mm. I don't know too yeah. many people who don't like the movie at all well, and i know a lot of people who saw it. it like this was a big hit for a24 it's their highest grossing movie to date i think um but i feel so like the people it, who went it, to see it were probably prone to like or like primed to like it like i don't know a lot of like people who are going to all the marvel movies who are like oh did you go see everything everywhere all at once and i'm not saying mike <laughs> that you're like a super marvel fan but it's like no no, no. No, a lot right. of the people who like A24 films usually are the type of people who I feel like would be okay with that exhaustion, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because yeah. yeah. like, I also haven't heard a lot of criticisms, but I also haven't talked to a lot of people who have seen them. But you've probably talked to a lot more people than I have because you talk to more film people. Yeah, I just, yeah, I've talked to a lot of people who maybe this type of movie isn't necessarily their bag and they still really enjoyed it. Like, Mike, yeah. you're the first person who said, like, I didn't like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know if people are just like, they're able to compartmentalize like, oh, I really like the technical aspects, but such and such didn't resonate with me or it was too long or whatever. And like, they still come on like, I liked the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if like, cause like you're saying like, mm-hmm. I appreciate all this stuff. I still didn't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so uh, what I think a lot of people, because they appreciate everything else, they say they liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, just to address the, um, the exhaustion part of it being a feature, not a bug. 
you know, there's certain kinds of movies that, um, like, I guess, I don't know if people consider this a good movie or not anymore, but I think Passion of the Christ is a good movie. Um, mm-hmm. or, or it takes something maybe more like, um, crap. What's, What's the drug movie where everyone's on drugs? Uh, shit. Uh, which one? <laughs> which, which one? <laughs> a Scanner Darkly? Uh, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Is that the one you're talking about? The red no, one, the animated it's, one? It's, it's not that one. Uh, why am the I not? The Good Dinosaur? Yes, the, the Good Dinosaur. <laughs> there we go. Uh. <laughs> the, okay, okay. Um, so, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, let's just, uh, I know you don't. I don't. You don't like that movie as well. Let's but. just name movies. <laughs> but that's like. I feel like it's similar as far as like. Mad Kinda. Max starts at eleven and stays at eleven for two hours. Yeah, right? that's probably that's probably the best comparison of it. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. thinking of like Schindler's List or something like that. Right? Oh sure. Um, oh, like yeah. okay, yeah. whereas like yes, that's exhausting, but like Requiem for a Dream is what yes. you were thinking. Of. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Thank you. I can't do that movie. I'm with you on that one. That yes. was too too much. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. I, I can be like, okay, that movie's a lot, but it was a good movie, and it was mm-hmm. a lot in like the right way. This one mm-hmm. for me didn't, was not in the right way. Um, Interesting. I'm not, I'm not saying it can't be in the right way for you or anything like that. It it was like exhausting in all the wrong ways for me because I was just tired of it, and I, I like fucking hated almost every character except <laughs> you know wow. the husband character. Um, like I hated the daughter so much by the end of it. I like did not get like where she was coming from at all. Just like things like that. And, and so to me, I was just tired in a bad way by the end of it. Um, like I said, your mileage may vary. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's where I was coming from. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to dominate too much with negativity. So I'll, I'll see the floor now. Corey, you haven't said anything in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Man, like just it's good thoughts, good discourse. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. I mean, what should I say? So I, since we're kind of talking about this whole, you know, it feels like you've only heard people say one way or the other. Like I would say that I, like I said, I liked the film. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of stuff in the midst of it that I could take or leave in terms of, like, and I think Mike, it's kind of like what you're saying, like how it resonates with you. I think overall, like, I enjoyed the film. I got, like, what they were talking about, the central themes. Like, I understood those, and I appreciated them. There was some of the stuff, like, some of the humor or some of the certain types of jokes and stuff like that didn't all land with me. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I get that. Or it's like, you know, just my sensibilities of, like, oh, that's funny for, like, 10 seconds. But then it became, like, a whole sequence you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. like yeah. this whole fighting sequence is going to be this, you know, mm-hmm. like, like stuff like that, where it's like, oh, I get that. And I know like that's characteristic, um, you know, probably the director's their style of humor, like the writing. So there was stuff like that where I could take and leave. But I think like someone mentioned earlier, I think holistically, I would still come down the side of like, oh, I like the movie. Um, there was those things personally that didn't resonate with me. I was thinking like, yeah, this is a really incredible film, technically, and all this stuff. It's the type of film that I just think myself, if I would ever like make a movie or write, like I wouldn't like. There's a lot of those elements that I wouldn't write into it, sure. like the humor, like some of the humor and the the callbacks. Adult humor. Like, <laughs> well, the but or even some of the gags. That's like, oh, that's kind of funny as like a one-off, but then it still keeps coming back, like the 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 hot dog world. The hot like, dog. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, it was like, oh, that was, like, funny. And then it's, like, 
oh, this this keeps coming back. Like stuff this is like a major. This is one of the more major multiverses. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Like yeah. oh, that's funny. Like she made a mistake. She was trying to do the thing. Like okay, that's that's funny. But then it's like oh, this comes back substantially multiple times. So right. there's stuff like that. If I I, as I was processing the film, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not really, like, my sensibility. I wouldn't put that in this movie. But I think overall, like, I, I did really enjoy the movie. And I would just say, like, some of that stuff kind of reappearing throughout the movie is maybe arguably a sign of good writing in the sense where it's like mm-hmm. they're not just introducing funny jokes or funny yeah. concepts and as, as one-offs and then dropping them. They're actually mm-hmm. kind of being weaved together and yeah. c- coming together by the end of it. But I ultimately agree with you, Corey, that like the joke itself is like not nearly as funny as they think it is, or at least to me, it wasn't. Mm. And, and so it, it just kind of was like, all right, yeah, they got the funny hot dog fingers. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> by like the five, the fifth time and you know that now they're making out while having funny hot dog figure. Okay. Um, so <laughs> it, it just like, it, it's like one of those things where technically it's probably the right choice to like keep mm-hmm. on playing with the multiverse that you've already yeah. seen rather than introduce more wacky ones. But to me, I just wasn't vibing with it. So I just continued not to vibe with it by the fourth time it showed up. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, well, I will say on a rewatch, Hot Dog Fingers does hold up the least. Uh, I liked <laughs> all of them when I when, when I watched it the first time, but that one, it just like, it does feel like it kind of kills a lot of the momentum. I don't feel that way about a lot of the other ones because they're mm-hmm. probably funnier. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I think the, the, yeah, you're right, though, that they committed to it and in committing to it, like it's, it's, I think the movie is actually really well written, obviously, because I said it's one of the best movies yeah. ever made, but I, th- I think it's, it's really well written in the sense that it does have this sort of core, like it has the hot dog fingers, it has Rakakuni, it has the, mm-hmm. uh, Wong Kar Wai universe, um, it has Alphaverse, and like, I think maybe one more that I'm forgetting. And so it has like the core five that you watch, um, plus the, the, the sort of, prime timeline where you have like them staying at the irs building and them going home Mm -hmm. um and outside of that though there's still a lot of one-off gags too like they'll bring in costumes for like one or two shots in this movie and i really like that uh and i was trying to look up the costume budget i couldn't find it but she was saying there's something like 40 something looks just for like the first two characters for um what is it uh michelle yo and then stephanie sue yeah there were so many. Yeah, well, because so then you get montages too. Like you get yeah. montages of them in different yeah. costumes, and you get montages mm-hmm. of uh, Waymond in different costumes too. Like they they do like a, a sequence of them staring at the camera, going through a bunch of multiverses for each mm-hmm. one of those characters, and yeah. then uh, right. yeah, yeah, it's really it's really cool. And so I actually really liked that they felt like they could bring in stuff, and I know they did a lot of thrift store shopping for a lot of that. Um, because we were trying to figure out, um, cause at the, at the Chinese new year party, Evelyn has that cardigan that says punk on the back. Mm-hmm. And we were like, does that mean anything? So I Googled it and I guess the costumer said she just like found it at the thrift store in Chinatown in LA. And that's why she bought it. So I think she thrifted a lot of the costumes. Probably. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And see from a filmmaking standpoint, like being someone who makes short films, Mm-hmm. logistically trying to figure out how this movie was made yeah. it actually kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Like, how can you keep track of all this stuff? How can you set up these camera shots yeah. in these consistent ways so that you're editing between them and you're not lost ever? 
Uh, so from that standpoint, you know, I think that it's a technical awesome. triumph. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. totally yeah, agree with I, you, Mike. Like when I was watching this movie, I felt like I kind of kept shifting over into like my filmmaker brain, just thinking about like how much, like all the stuff you're talking about, how much time would it take to set up all these shots? Like we're talking, we mentioned that like montage where they go through all the multiverses. How much time mm -hmm. would it take to set up literally each of those shots that's on screen for like a second or less <laughs> and to yeah. get all the details right and all of that? And I don't know how many shots they go through in that whole like montage sequence. It's crazy. Like it's an awesome sequence. But yeah, I just kept thinking all of the production stuff that had to go into it. And like you said, from that standpoint, this movie is a triumph. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... They shot it in three months. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird because the last two movies I watched have both been for podcasts. So um, I watched this, and then I also, last night, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is, nice. like, one of the greatest films ever made as well. I think it's a perfect movie. I, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect movie. And I was, I was watching that and thinking the same thing about that movie, actually, where you... There's just certain things that happen in that movie, and you're like, how... How much money did this cost to make in 1981? Yeah. Like this movie mm -hmm. looks so good. I I was also watching it on 4K, so it looks the best it's ever looked. But it's mm -hmm. just like it's such an ambitious movie where it's like how like we just don't make movies like that today. Mm -hmm. Except we do, I guess, right? Like everything everywhere and I, I think Nope is really ambitious. Like I yeah. think that's starting to return. We're starting to see that like Top Gun Maverick, which was made three years ago, but whatever. Um and I it definitely just like that style of filmmaking is coming back. And I really appreciate that. And I think mm -hmm. with this film, like the technical aspects of it are so, not only are they just like impeccable, they're very, very good, but they're also so in service to the story it is trying to tell Yeah, that it's like the, the marriage of it is so it's so perfect. And so like, I don't know a different way to make this movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so I actually have a question for MJ and Corey, because we've heard, I mean, all, so all three of you guys, well, all four of us, agree that technically this film was great, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. what we've been saying for the past however long we've been talking about it. Okay. So with Mike, Mike, with you, it didn't resonate as much. So MJ and Corey, why did it with you? Because we were, none of us were saying that this is actually a bad film. But why, why was this one that you guys were actually saying that it's good? Apart from the fact that technically it's great. Yeah, I... So there's multiple themes kind of running through this film. The one that really resonated with me was, and I know you can kind of look at it different ways. Like after I saw the movie, I had to read and listen to a couple podcasts just to try to process like, okay, this is what I got from it. What did other yeah. people get? That's always helpful. And sure. so I know some people read it as kind of like, it's a presentation of like, if you have everything and kind of like, like almost like, okay, what do you do with like nihilism? And like, how do you like, work through that and obviously there's other there's themes of family and stuff like that i think what resonated with me about this film is that you know just how she ends up like choosing like this this does have meaning like the people that i choose to spend time with and love and like that scene when wayman in whatever universe it is he's like you know i would have loved just to um, do laundry and taxes with you. Like, yeah, the, when she's when boy. she's her, it's arguing. What a harsh, line, like, man! Yeah, what and, a line. And yeah. that just that just like rocked me to the core because there's yep. so many times where, 
you know, it's not like I'm always thinking this, but just like, okay, like if I could do this thing or this thing or whatever and wondering what if, but, and I feel like um, America and Western culture, sometimes we can get so caught up in like, I got to do these things, do these things, or it's mm -hmm. like, you know, keep, cli keep climbing the grind, doing all that. And we, we miss, or like we actively choose to miss those moments of spending time with people that matter to us. And, mm -hmm. and I know yeah. it kind of gets there a different way exploring like kind of like nihilism. If you can have everything, if things are meaningless, if you can attribute meaning, like I know there's those deeper subtexts, but for me, that whole choice of her saying like, I'm going to spend this time with the people I love because that has meaning in itself. And that's important to me. That was really the thing that kind of hit home for me. So I know there's a lot of other themes and stuff that I'm aware of in this film, but that was the one that kind of stuck to me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think the film built enough stuff in service to that point. So then like when yeah. you get there, it's like, yeah, like, cause even in that last section when she's back in the IRS office and it kind of seems mm -hmm. when they're like, Hey, are you, are you still with us? Where she like kind of almost like, Oh, does she want to go into the multiverse? But she's still like choosing like, no, I want to be here. Like I want to be here with my family. I, I, anyway, I thought that theme was woven really well throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, the, yeah, the things that resonate with me most in the film is just like Evelyn and Wayman and not just their relationship, but just certain aspects of both of them. Cause like Evelyn feels like she, she's like very put upon trying to hold everything together and like, you know, it starts with uh, the, the way they lead into the sub or the, the, the super title, I guess, cause it's above her head, the super title of like everything mm -hmm. you know he asks her he says what are you thinking about and then she doesn't respond and it just says everything yeah at the top of the screen and i was like "Ooh, i like that um one from a technical aspect but like i feel like with my own sort of anxieties and and things that like i feel like i think about everything right all the time all at once um and so <laughs> so i very much feel that um that sort of anxiety that that Evelyn has where she and like, yes, she's under the gun as far as like being audited by the IRS or whatever. But just like even in the most mundane stuff, I can feel like a lot of anxiety to get it done, like even though it, a lot of it will largely not matter in the grand scheme of things. And so if if the point is to, you know, spend time with your loved ones, like I will get caught up in like, well, I can, but I have to do this. You know, like I get caught up in the listing of everything and have a hard time prioritizing those things in my own brain but at the same token with waymond like i also aspire to want to be the way he is not just mm. like a kind person but and, like to be able to fight the way he says he fights is is yeah like, that 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 wong kar wai universe the, the it's like it's it's an it's a pastiche of like uh in the mood for love which is a wong kar wai film uh which is very good uh, if you guys mm -hmm. haven't seen it and um just like his whole speech there about the way he fights and like how his his kindness and sweet nature is sort of by design to fight against the sort of nihilism of mm -hmm. the rest of the world like i really 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 like that like i don't feel a lot of pull towards nihilism i don't i don't get it yeah like, I know. yeah i don't either um so that th that portion of it doesn't necessarily resonate with me like i don't like i've been depressed before but like i don't think i've ever fully gone nihilistic you know mm -hmm. and so i think the like the, the so and so i think that theme of like choosing to to fight against it if you have the pull towards it is really well done but i just 
I don't know. I feel like that movie as it made me want to be like a better husband too, you know, Mm. Um, like I left it and was like, oh yeah, that's like the type of person I want to be. And I think a lot of people do think I'm sort of, you know, not, not to turn this into a therapy session, (laughs) but I think a lot of people like, cause I'm like, I'm like pretty jokey a lot of the time. And so I think a lot of people think I don't take a lot of shit seriously. And it's like, no, this is by design. Like this is because of the own like stuff I've been through in my past. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just like, I want to, be like kinder and happier in like when when it's time to not worry about those things essentially and so uh i think like that resonated with me a lot and just like the idea like i just think the the movie shoots for and i you know i guess we could talk about whether it's successful or not but it's so ambitious to just talk about like what it means to be human and what it means to be human is like Stuff is hard all the time. It's just so hard to exist. Always. Like, it just, it's it's just such a hard, like, we go through so much over the course of our lives and everyone does. And so to ultimately, like, choose kindness, uh, I think is, is a good aspiration. And, like, it may be a little schmaltzy, um, but it's a movie too. Like a one movie yeah. shouldn't try to solve the entire human experience. It can only help us understand it a little bit more. And I think in that regard, it succeeds. I like that. Uh, I, guess <laughs> Sorry. I, would, I would echo with most of, of most of what you guys are saying in terms of, I think the core of this movie, the best part about it is basically the Wayman's character. In yeah. General. He's awesome. Just mm-hmm. everything associated with him. Um, I also echo MJ one, I guess the rest of your thoughts on the nihilism aspect. You know, I mean, I think that we're all people who are believers um, mm-hmm. in something more than, than this life. So the nihilism part of it does not like resonate with me in the least. I think it's the least compelling part of the movie. I mean, for people who I guess don't have um, any sort of religious background or something like that, and who are grappling with the idea of not existing and it and your existence really not mattering um i guess maybe that can be of some comfort but for me it, it's still not <laughs> like mm-hmm. i still think i, I kind of walk away feeling like okay so what <laughs> like it, it, in the movies um answer to well nihilism is you you fight anyway is i don't think is actually as uplifting as the movie seems to think it is um because i think that it still hasn't really addressed the core problem of nihilism um, and I, I'm reducing it a little bit, um, and, and being a little straw manny in how I'm addressing the movie's theme. But to me, I, I thought that was kind of the least compelling aspect of it. Uh, I would know also that, you know, I really enjoy the concept itself. Like I know that for example, MJ, I think you mentioned um, one time you said that like you thought that I would hate this, like from the moment, like, you know, you, you heard about me watching it. Um, but I actually was down for the concept. I, I'm a real big sucker for, you know, um, the it's a wonderful life type. Like what happens if like I don't mm. exist mm-hmm. or if, you know, life turned out differently. I'm yeah. a, like, alternate alternate universe <laughs> life stuff. I'm actually a big fan of and it's kind of something that I was thinking about doing for another book. But I'm, I'm kind of paralyzed by even addressing it because it's just so um, it's just so complicated to go and think about like that kind of thing. Um, so in general, I like that kind of storytelling and I think that this movie offers an intriguing glimpse at it. Um, however, I think that where it kind of hurts, uh, is in the relationship between the mother and daughter. I noticed that 
None of you guys went and mentioned that aspect as being, you know, your favorite part. And I think her, well, the I daughter's, talked yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, well then I'll just, I'll just mention that I felt like her character, I got a little bit where she was going from coming from, but at the same time, um, I thought she was just, I don't know. I don't feel like she played it right. Um, the character's name is joy. Um, she just kind of was angsty and obnoxious to me. And so that that's kind of really maybe the same, the second emotional thrust, or maybe the supposed to be the main emotional th- thrust it's beyond even one. Wang. I think it's yeah. the main one. Yeah. yeah. I think Wayman's like, I, we all latch onto cause it's better in the movie, but, um, joy's struggle and her angst did not work for me. And I think that's where some of my exhaustion came from as well. Okay. And now I'll, I'll back off again. No, it's, it's interesting. And I like hearing what all of you guys have had to say about it. I did really like the relationship between um, Evelyn and joy. It's like, yeah, joy is angsty, but her angst to me was portrayed in a way that felt like if you could personify what it feels like to be, a millennial and I know it sounds kind of like hokey or whatever but it's like I mean there are times when it really if we're going to bring in the title again it feels like everything everywhere all at once is happening in right. your brain or in your emotions yeah. if that's not something you've experienced then god bless uh, that's awesome good for you <laughs> um but it's like uh so I I am very certain I have ADHD and that it's undiagnosed but that's like watching this is kind of what my brain feels like what everything feels like everything is kind of like flying around Fun fact around at Daniel once. Kwan through making this film learned he had undiagnosed ADHD Hell oh. yeah <laughs> All right I'm quitting the podcast and going to make films now um, but like so watching Joy and when we got to see her in multiverse level it's like oh shit that's what I'm feeling like if if my feelings had like a little um like i don't know entity to like personify it that's what it looks like that's what it feels like this is crazy and it's very over the top and it's exaggerated because when things are stuck in your brain they feel or at least for me um they tend to feel really exaggerated so seeing kind of her hurt and confusion and i again i will probably talk about the costumes again later i loved them so much because they were so wild and all over the place and so indicative of how joy kind of was like she's so confused she's so hurt she knows that she's hurt she knows that she doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She knows that she's mad at her mom and that her mom's partially to blame for it and has like like her stupid everything bagel because that's kind of where everything is <laughs> culminating. Like she has these very simplistic, almost childlike um, thoughts on how to represent what she's feeling because of, I mean, you can argue a state of arrested development or wherever she is because of the generational trauma that's occurred to her. It's just like there's so much going on with it. So I... I can understand the criticism because angsty young actors are never super fun to watch. And apparently she's the same age as me. So that's fun. <laughs> but uh, for me, I really liked it. I thought the way that her stuff was, <clears throat> was good. And I loved uh, Michelle. Yo, it, it was j- her just wanting the best for her daughter and doing that poorly. Just like, you know, I'm sure her dad wanted for her and so on and so forth. Um, that generational trauma felt very real and her, yeah ultimate mm-hmm. conclusion of of how to handle things with her daughter was i think just really poignant and really well done i don't particularly have like massive issues with my mom i think everybody you know has issues with their parents at various points so i can't speak to like my mom was abusive and horrible and that's why i am the way i am but yeah. um, there the moments that were nice um felt reminiscent of my own relationship with my mom the moments that were hard felt reminiscent of times things have been hard so i actually did really like the mother-daughter relationship um 
And then there was something, MJ, at one point you had said, well, I'm, I think they say this in the movie, that, like, nothing matters in the grand scheme of things. Like, or, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have all been talking about the whole, like, nihilistic perspective. Nothing right? matters, everything is beautiful. Yeah. Right. That's like... Right. And it's, the, the thing that's cool, or that really resonated with me is, so I'm not nihilist either. Um, as you guys mentioned, we're all, like, Christian. We all have mm-hmm. hope and faith, which is a really, you know, beautiful thing. But I'm around nihilists all the time, so watching this <laughs> and seeing, like, the hope that they gave at the end was really cool. Because, like, yeah, that whole idea, nothing matters in the grand scheme of things. But, and this is where I'm going to come in about freaking hot dog fingers. <laughs> Everything matters. The one like mistake she made the first time she tried to multiverse leap and then fucked it up and we have hot dog fingers. <laughs> yeah. That ended up having its own and yeah, it really didn't have anything to do with the linear timeline apart from the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis Curtis was still in it, but it had its own beautiful world and it's like Well, I think I- Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think that it You're what good. it does is because she has to do that by professing her love for Jamie Lee Curtis's character right. and then she does it and then she goes to the universe where they are in love. Um, yeah like that's good screenwriting i think that's really really good no, screenwriting. I, I agree <laughs> yeah and that's what i'm saying though is like every every little thing even our mistakes can have these beautiful monumental effects or tragic horrible effects as we've seen so it's like everything kind of matters while simultaneously not mattering um to the point that we need to beat ourselves up like you know maybe joy was doing or yeah. evelyn was doing i so, mean I waymond know, I, I tells her that well. waymond tells her that when he first meets her in the janitor closet right he says I know you think you, he says, I know you, I think that with, uh, sorry, he says, I know you, I know that with each passing moment, you think you've thrown your life away and that time is running out. Right. He says, but let me tell you that every rejection, every mistake has led you to here. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I love that she is the culmination of like all the other multiverses, like mistakes or whatever, like mm-hmm. <laughs> where she could have done something better, but instead did it poorly. Like that's the one that she happened to land in. So I was like, yeah. haha, relatable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So all of that, I know that was a lot. Um, that was everything everywhere all in like three minutes. But uh, <laughs> that's all the stuff that resonated with me. But yeah, the mother-daughter stuff, just to go back to that original point, um, I personally did really like a lot. And it could be because I'm female, but I, I just also think it was well done. I know a lot of people who um, really resonated with the mother-daughter stuff. Uh, generally females, but a lot of people who have contentious, very contentious relationships with their parents, which I don't know about all of us i guess but i never did and so that that's always a theme that just goes right by me um and so like ladybird like i don't get that movie whatsoever um mm-hmm. and like even like even not to like air my wife's family drama but like her relationship with her mom is fine but it was you know it had ups and downs and we saw Ladybird, and she was like, "What the hell was that?" Like she was like, "I," she was like, "I have had my rough moments with my mom, but like that was a lot." And so, like that movie, just like, even that was like too far for her. Um, so, and then this one, she liked. I think she liked it a lot more. It made her cry when they were standing outside the car at the end. Um, but that's mm-hmm. a good point because what I didn't realize that you made Missy about her childish behavior, she's old enough to not live there anymore. She doesn't live in that apartment because mm-hmm. she says you only call you only call me when you need something you only come by when you need something and i was like wait a minute she's not a teenager <laughs> like right yeah but i think again so she though seems like somebody and this is a thing with generational trauma a lot of times when if you've had any kind of trauma in your life or a big trauma uh there are arguments that you do go into a state of arrested development sure. around the age that it occurred and so that's what it felt like for me. And I could just be reading into it because I've been looking into a lot of that kind of therapeutic stuff. And I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder if that's kind of where her brain is stuck is yeah. the point at which she really felt like she didn't have her mom 
Um, so, but yeah, I know she's, I mean, do they ever, I don't think they say how old she is. Yeah, but she's definitely old enough to be living on her own. And old enough to drink. She's in a bar with her girlfriend when she, like, when she first gets possessed by Joe Butchabaki and goes to the IRS building. Yeah. So she's at least 21 years old. Yeah. But yeah, again, I mean, I was not the smartest 21-year-old. So, I mean, her, her stuff felt childlike, but it felt, or not childlike, it felt childish and childlike, but it felt realistic to, I mean, at least my experience and the experiences of a lot of people I know going through their 20s, where you're an adult, but you still very much feel like a kid. Yeah, I think it was maybe them reflecting on that. They're right around our age. Uh, Daniel Kwan is 34 and Daniel Shiner is 35. So mm. could be them looking back on that time of their lives and processing it as well. Yeah. Because I feel like just now is when you start to get a handle on that. Like, Right. Exactly. I I mean, I guess part of the millennial experience is that um, some of us haven't quite grown up um, and become adults at 18. Um, Some of us more have aged um, and and become adults when we're 25 and older Mm -hmm. due to uh, certain things that happen in college or grad school or whatever. Couldn't be me. Yeah. I I mean, I just feel like um, in general... I wasn't fixated on her age. I just, I don't know. It just didn't hit me the same way. Maybe it does other people. Um, cause sure. I mean, like, like you were saying, MJ, you know, I don't really have a contentious relationship with, with my parents and like all in that kind of sense. So, um, it, it didn't hit with me, but, um, you know, I, th- I think what it was saying, you know, was certainly valid, but I got like what the daughter was doing and trying to do by about, minute 45 of the movie and then <laughs> it just kept on going from their hour and 45 after that uh and that's why i i just feel like it didn't resonate with me so i don't know i just um i tried really hard to go and approach this movie in a way that um was generous but mm-hmm. um just nothing really was hitting and even some of the stuff like for example like the, the rocks discussing yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, life, which was pretty funny at first. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it was the biggest encapsulation of, of the movie. Um, yes. and mm-hmm. <laughs> which was like a, a really funny way of doing it. Um, yeah. The whole movie on hangs out on those rocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and like, I was like, huh, that's clever. And then you're like, Oh wow. They're delivering the theme of the movie through this, rock dialogue and then it's like oh this dialogue is still going which is part of the joke and kind of funny but then it goes past even that being funny for me um and so eh. <laughs> see i think the rock i'm, glad you brought I'm up just the rocks. exhausted yeah. i think the rocks happens at the perfect moment because it's such an exhausting movie and so then it just yeah. like hits you with this dead silence for like it a little bit yeah time. it's like yeah. very and refreshing like, it's this just this small moment to breathe in the middle of it and then like yeah it unpacks itself in that in that sequence and then you get back to the chaos like i think it's really really well i think the movie's really well plotted in that way because it is Mm-hmm. It is assaultive. Like it is. Yeah. It's a lot it's of movie the whole time. <laughs> um, and to just kind of have that, like it made me like, I remember seeing it in the theater and like feeling like I was breathing heavier by the time I got to that point where it was like, <laughs> it let me catch my breath. Yeah. Yeah. So there are things that I think are, once again, they come at the right time or there's the right writing decisions. Um, but then the way that they're done just wasn't to my taste, I guess. Sure. Uh, yeah. But you know, it, it's fine. That's okay. Not everything has to suit my tastes. My tastes are 
you know, probably considered eccentric in a lot of ways by other people. <laughs> so, um, you know, the things that I write or do that I'm sure other people quibble with. Um, so, you know, in general, I walked away feeling like it was, I can see why people think it's a good movie. Um, but it's not one for me. Sure. Yeah. yeah uh, totally if it sense. makes you feel any better, Swiss Army Man is 97 minutes long. <laughs> That does sound way more tolerable. I think I think I could handle a movie like this if it was about ninety minutes. Um, mm. I, I think that my tolerance for this kind of thing um, is really dependent on the amount of time that's being spent on it. And I just don't feel like this thing was saying nearly as much as it thought it was saying. And there is a part of me that thinks it was a little pretentious. I know that people hate when pseudo intellectuals go and use the word pretentious about something that they hate. <laughs> Um, you know, so I'm being preemptive about addressing this, but <laughs> it, it just felt like what it was trying to say, it really isn't that deep. I mean, it's very complicated, um, in terms of how it was made and the time, not timelines, but the alternate universes and that stuff, but it's actually very simple in its themes and mm -hmm. you just don't need to have a movie this goddamn long to get to that. I think... I was thinking about this as we were talking. By the way, I wanted to address the thing about why I thought you wouldn't like it. It's precisely this. I, I did. Um, <laughs> that was why I was like, oh, I'm not sure if Michael liked that movie, like uh, because of how long it is and how much it is uh, mm -hmm. for the entire runtime. It's 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 a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, uh, but I was thinking about why it was a lot besides the fact that one of the filmmakers had undiagnosed ADHD, and I think. One of the things is that people who make movies like this don't know if they're going to get to make another movie like this the way the climate is in the, in the film industry right now. And so I think a lot of people who make these, you know, I, to, at the risk of sounding pretentious myself, these more <laughs> thoughtful, contemplative films like this... Um, they kind of throw everything in that movie, like pun not intended. They throw right. everything they're thinking of in that movie because, like, oh, they they have the they, shot. they they secured the bag for a movie like this, which is like mm -hmm. damn near impossible. You know, like uh, uh, John Hamm took sixty percent pay cut on Confess Fletch to get them three more days of filming, and they shot the movie in thirty days. Like movies like mm. that don't get made anymore. So the mm -hmm. second you can secure a finance, uh, uh, a production company to make, to pay you to make that movie, you then put every idea you have in it now because well, I think that's a valid point. Yeah. 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 Well, I also think that, you know, when it comes to indie stuff, it's obviously a little more personal to you. Sure. And so yeah. you have trouble killing your babies, so to speak. You know, you just, you mm -hmm. don't want to go and maybe cut out an idea or whatever, because it's really precious to you, but sure. you probably need, need somebody to be like hey this mm, this movie's already a little too long let's not go and put this idea in there and my understanding is there's actually quite a few cutting uh, scenes on the cutting room floor yeah. so they they did do some stuff like yeah. that and i think they've been very open in interviews about some other ideas that they've had uh, i just wish they'd been a little more judicious in cutting some stuff out hmm. but i mean i think that does come down to like what we've been talking about it's a little bit of personal preference it's a little bit of mm -hmm. like personal style directorial style because it's like what you're saying mike i i think there's stuff in this film again like if i was writing this movie or doing it it's like i would have taken some of that stuff out but right for somebody else they'd be like oh i, I want it to be i want to have all these pieces or i want it to be longer you know for all we know it's like they were thinking it's like the runtime needs to be this long to help us you know 
like accentuate the theme that we're talking about. Like, you know, the whole idea yeah. of everything everywhere all at once. So yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like what you said. It's, I, it's technically a good film. It's just, it might not resonate with everybody because any of these said reasons. Yeah. And I, I appreciate Mike that you are sharing. I know I kind of said it earlier, but it's like, it's so nice to actually have different perspectives. Not that we don't always bring that on the show, but we're rarely like in massive disagreement about something. Um, and I'm not saying this is like a massive disagreement, but I think it is good for people who, cause I'm sure there's a big crowd of people who saw it and like I said, knew that it was a good film, but were like, I just wasn't for me. Like, uh, and, and that was, um, MJ kind of how you said you knew Mike wasn't going to like it right away. I remember watching it and I was like, oh, my parents wouldn't like it. Cause like, they yeah. don't like like absurdist kind of oh, things. No. And I love, yeah. my I mom would have hated absurdity. this movie. Yeah, and my mom would have liked, like, if I told her, oh, it's a movie, like, about a mother-daughter, and the theme is essentially, I mean, I think um, Evelyn says it at one point, even when you don't understand what's happening, just be kind. Like, mm -hmm. that's the theme. That's it. When everything, everywhere, all at once is happening, just be kind. Like, and that's a beautiful theme. But yeah, it's just, it's not going to be for everybody, and that's okay. It's okay. Not that you don't like that theme, Mike, but the film itself. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you're offering that perspective. No, and, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I don't see probably most people in the mass market audience liking this, not to go and let myself in with them. But, you know, we're talking about most people that we know who have seen it um, are probably the A24 audience who are primed to like something like this. But I think there is probably, I would say almost like a majority of people, or if not that, a significant amount of people who, if they go and watch this after hearing all the praise, they're going to be like, <laughs> and turn it off after like 20 minutes you i'm know? interested to see because this movie will be nominated for best picture um mm -hmm. based on just the heat it's had within the, that mm -hmm. kind of circle um and there are a lot of people who are maybe outside that realm who go and watch all the best picture nominees and so i'm, I'm really interested to see like what happens in like december january when the reappraisals start from the people who missed it the first time yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think the reappraisals will be interesting, or the people who revisit this revisit this in a couple of months or a year, who are like, "Wait a minute, uh, there's some issues with this here and there." I'm curious to see if that happens. You know how most of these critical darlings nowadays have about a honeymoon period of a year, and a then year. suddenly, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then then people are like, "Actually, this thing was bad," and I'm yeah. not like I'm not rooting that on or anything like that. I just think it's gonna be interesting to see where the conversation for this goes yeah i agree mm -hmm. i don't see it happening with this for the people who loved it immediately because like even on mm -hmm. my rewatch i still mm -hmm. liked it just as much as when i watched it the first oh, yeah. time and i think people have not done that with swiss army man now granted i don't know how many people are revisiting swiss army man on the reg but that movie was like people really liked it when it came out i really liked it when it came out i haven't seen it since but i know people who have seen it before and they're like yeah this is just a good movie. So I think maybe Daniels might have a, more of a track record of like consistency than, than some of the other people. But yeah, you're totally right about that. It will be, I think specifically when we get into Oscar season, it's going to get real weird around this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. just in general, projecting out five or 10 years from now. I mean, I know for example, MJ, this probably won't budge for you in terms of being what you think is like a, one of the best movies ever made. Right. But um, you know, there's people who, 
maybe 10 or 15 years ago, they loved like Donnie Darko or something like that, right? Yeah. You mean, well, the difference now, is Donnie Darko sucks. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, you know, like there's people out there who they would probably list that as one of their favorite movies ever. And, or like the butterfly effect. Man, it felt like everybody in college like had a butterfly effect, mm. like love or poster or something really? like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew a bunch I knew a of, people of people who like love that it, movie. Yeah. I never um, heard a positive thing about that movie. That's right. I, I never I saw know, it. Man. It, like, oh, I knew a ton a, of people who recommended it. I'm with really? you, Really? Yeah, there's like yeah. there's like this mid like 2000s love for this movie, and and now you know no one talks about it. And not that like this <laughs> is on that level, but there's just kind of movies that are like that that were very fitting for that time and place mm. for people. You know, yeah. there's like this angsty kind of vibe that has that's existing in some of these movies, mm. and it, it kind of exists in a way in this movie, and I think it resonates with millennials. But you know, are are thirty year old Zoomer, thirty five year old Zoomers, you know, ten years from now, are they going to be like, or fifteen years from now, are they going to be like, oh yeah, that really resonated with me? Or are they going to be like, actually, this is kind of dated and cringy? I could Cringe, see it, as the kids mm. say, chuggy. Um, I could see it. Uh, <laughs> no cap. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I could see. I could see maybe the filmy types. I could see this being the movie that split their brain open. You know, like I mm. like how Punch Drunk yeah. Love was for me, where like. I was 16 when I saw the movie and I was like, no one told me a movie could be like this. Like I could totally hmm. see some 16 yeah. year old who saw yeah, this movie definitely. streaming and being like, what the fuck? What are you, what is happening? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I think the, I think there could be a, not necessarily a generation of filmmakers inspired by it the way, say like Jurassic park inspired a generation of filmmakers or anything like that. But like, I could see some like maybe blogger or YouTube kid, like, that hits their thirties and they're like, yeah, the reason I got into this is because I saw everything everywhere at 16 or 17 and just like melted my brain out of my eyeballs. You know, like I, I, yeah. I think it has more of that. I think it'll have more of that effect than hmm. interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I could, just because of how technically well done that movie is like, yeah, I could see someone just being like, I, I didn't know you could do this with what a movie is because I grew up on Marvel. <laughs> you exactly. know, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you, MJ. Somebody, this movie it is like, because it's so technically well done, it is very much that sense of like, yeah, if somebody's only been watching Marvel or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the mainstream status quo, and they somehow end up watching this film, they're just like, I, what is this? Like, it's mm-hmm. that, it's that feeling where you're like, I didn't know a movie could do this i didn't even like it redefines what a film is for them you know like it's just Mm. they have no context for it and i would agree with you i think this film probably will do that kind of for the next generation of people like who might want to get into filmmaking or youtube or whatever like some sort of like video like they're gonna be like wow yeah it was this movie yeah well should we go and try to wrap things up yeah Corey, you gotta go right Oh yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you guys have anything else about everything, everywhere, all at once? All at once. I think we said everything. Everywhere. Everywhere. All at once. Yep. <laughs> well, Mike, the question: Would would you recommend this film to somebody? All the stuff we've talked about, you said it's technically good. You just it didn't resonate with you. Would you tell somebody they should watch it? Um, well, I wouldn't recommend it to a certain type of person, like the type of person that we described before, maybe, you know, these, like, for example, like my parents, my parents watched it, um, with me and, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't, it didn't resonate with them at all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and 
you know, like that kind of person and not, not like, not like they don't like, you know, an artistic or an indie no, film every no, now yeah. and then it's just, I know like their proclivities and what their sensitivities are to certain kinds mm-hmm. of movies. And I just knew that they weren't going to like it. And I was anticipating that I actually might like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of knew going in that they were probably going to hate it. And I was right. Um, and so <laughs> I feel like knowing the type of person uh, I could recommend it to them, but there's also a group of people out there who I know are instantly not going to like it. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. for someone who really cares about filmmaking, um, I think that anybody who cares about filmmaking, even if I don't think they're going to like it, um, should watch it. Then beyond that, it kind of depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this more than most things we've watched, I've had to be very, very, um, I don't know if prejudice is the word in like trying to decide who I want to like recommend it to. Yeah. Just cause like, I want people to watch it cause I think it's a great film, but it's like, I, again, I, I wouldn't recommend like an art museum to everybody. I was like, they're like, I'm born on a Saturday. What do I go do? Like, I think yeah. everybody can acknowledge that like fine art is beautiful and it's well done. And the craftsmanship is, is crazy. Like, I mean, especially with like sculptures and shit is so incredible. But not everybody's going to be like, that's my idea of a good time is going and just like kind of looking at something for a while and analyzing it like and and that's no knock against the person, nor is it a knock against like the activity. But it's like you just kind of have to know the person and read the room. Um, And yeah, I think this film will be a little more polarizing when it comes to actual enjoyment, especially in the mass audiences. But I mean, I don't know if you want something a little more to chew on um, and you don't mind it being delivered to you in kind of an absurd and weird way. uh, I would definitely recommend it to people. Yeah, it is interesting just to see, like, how this film hits people. Like, I actually watched this with Hannah, and she was like, you know, she's like, it's fine. She's like, I wouldn't watch it again. She's like, I appreciated all the, like, technical aspects of it, but she's like, I, sure. it's not really my cup of tea. And I was like, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the best movies ever made, and people should watch the best <laughs> movies ever made. So, I, I mean, I, 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 I do think people should watch it. It's good for you. Fuck off. Like, that's kind of how I, how I feel about all, But that's how I feel about any movie that I think is the best movie ever, or one of the best movies ever made. Like, I feel that way about Casablanca. I feel that way about Citizen Kate. You know, like, those types of movies. I feel that way, obviously, mm-hmm. about Jaws. Like... I don't know. Like if what, it's, you like Jaws? Yeah, right? If, it, if it's a movie, if it's a movie, I would teach if I were running a film class, you should see it. That's how I feel about it. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds really arrogant, but it's my class. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's my fake class that doesn't exist. So I mean, that's that's how I, I feel about it. Like I would, I would often when I was in film school, like the way it, set, it was set up is like, the teacher would give us a list of films that related to the topic for the week. And we could choose one of those films and watch those. Mm -hmm. I would always choose the one I would almost want to watch the least just to challenge myself a little bit more. Um, But I know not everyone reacts that way, but like the end, what I would think is like, if I was a teacher, I would choose one film for a lesson and make everyone watch it. And like, it's on them to like it or not. And so, so uh, I don't know. I think it's just a different philosophy for, you know, approaching recommending movies. And I don't recommend every movie to everyone all at once, but like, I like, Uh. like there's this movie called greener grass that I watched recently that I loved. I, it's like a single digit amount of people I could recommend that movie to. (laughs) Like, Uh. um, I do not think everyone should watch that movie. I think it was great. I think it was hilarious, but it was, it once again, a lot. And like, even more so than this is, I think like compared to, that's the other thing. I inflicted greener grass on a couple friends yesterday. So 
coming off of greener grass into this, this is significantly more accessible than than uh, than greener grass. And so I think that that might color how I'm feeling about it today. Um, but yeah, that's that's my recommendation of like I I don't know. I think if you're interested, well, well, always I say if you're interested in this movie, if this movie piqued your interest at all, you should watch it. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I just. I never saw it as a your mileage may vary type of movie because of how much I loved it. So it mm. might be kind of myopic, but that's where I'm at with it. I just like that this is going to be Mike's uh, English patient where it's like objectively a good film, but you just don't like it. And that's okay. <laughs> now, now I'm not the only one who can admit that there's a film. I recognize that people think it's good, but I think that it's trash. <laughs> I don't think Mike thinks this movie is patient. trash. <laughs> Mike hated total, it. Total I hear you, garbage. Mike. Loud. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Mike hate this. Yeah, <laughs> learn this one simple trick to piss Mike off. <laughs> Watching this movie, he very much appreciated. <laughs> it's okay to be the bad guy, Mike. <laughs> Mike's the bad guy. Hey. See you next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's stupid. Um, yeah, plugs uh, real quick before uh, Corey has to leave. Okay, um, so I'll just start off. Check out the Ashen Prophecy on Amazon and Audible if you want to um, see something where I wrote something according to my tastes versus somebody else's tastes. Um, or if you hate what I said throughout this entire <laughs> podcast, um, you can buy my book and then uh, give it five that'll stars. Show yeah, that'll show me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, make my day. Come on, bring it on. All right, that's it. Uh, that's amazing. You can check my stuff out, Real Filmmaking, R-E-E-L, on YouTube. Do a lot of stuff about, you know, filmmaking, cameras, video stuff. It's a good time. Uh, I have nothing to plug as usual, except for good movies. Go watch good movies. Go watch good movies. Like this one. Like this one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another podcast called Let's Jaws for a Minute. Uh, we're currently, we went through Jaws minute by minute. So you can go listen to us talk about Jaws minute by minute. And then um, we are currently going through the filmography of Steven Spielberg from Duel through Hook, with the exception of Always and Close Encounters. Uh, and the most recent episode you can listen to is about Rage of the Lost Ark, which, spoilers, it's a good movie. Um, it's a so great that, movie. It's a, man, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, I'm very much looking forward. We haven't at time of this record. We have not recorded that episode yet. We're recording it Tuesday morning, but I'm I'm so excited to talk about. It. I've never talked about that movie on a podcast before. And man, it holds nice. up. It's so good. Uh, so yeah, you can listen to that. Uh, let's just for a minute on Patreon. So we're gonna have a and the. Basically, the reason we're on Patreon is for the episode we have going on on October, which is a full-length commentary on Jaws uh, from me and Sarah. Um, we're recording that in a couple weeks, so if you've ever wanted us to talk about Jaws... The thing is, so, a lot of people have told me, like, oh, I really want to watch Jaws with you, and the thing is, no, you don't. Oh, man, yeah. you don't. You do not want to watch Jaws with me. Like, if we're just watching it at home, like... I'm going to be annoying as shit about that movie. So um, <laughs> we're going to record a full-length commentary on that movie so that it can feel exactly like what it's like watching Jaws with me because I am insufferable after two years of <laughs> podcasting about it. Um, I would not so want to watch it. it's not just all Jaws your podcast me. episodes strung together? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically going to be, but people <laughs> people really want it, so we gave it to them, but we're making them pay us for it, because it's going to be a lot of work to do that. So, nice. uh, yep, uh, Jaws for a Minute, everywhere, everything, podcasts are sold. Um, yep, uh, until next time, Joba Tabaki is the bad guy. <laughs> or me. <laughs> <laughs>